Welcome to the If I Had More Time podcast hosted by Mariner's Church. This podcast series invites you into a casual conversation with our senior pastor, Eric Geiger, and our teaching team to hear a few helpful insights and truths they wish they had time to include in the weekend message. Be sure that you have listened to this weekend's message prior to listening to the podcast to ensure you get the most out of our current series, On the Table. We hope you enjoy it. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the If I Had More Time podcast. I'm Liz Powers. I'm our content pastor, and I'm sitting here with Esther Chung, our women's pastor, and Eric, our senior pastor. Hey, what's up? (laughs) We just got to hear Eric record our week three message for our online community on uh, does Christianity oppress minorities and women and Mm -hmm. others? It's a question that so many of us have either wrestled with personally with God or have maybe gotten from another person person who's not in the church, not a believer. So mm. it's going to be a really helpful conversation, and I'm super thankful for this time. Yeah. I'm curious as we kick off. Um, I know you have questions to ask, but I'm taking over for a moment. <laughs> that, ha, ha, each of you, when is the first time you either wrestled with that or had a friend that that was really a, a sticking point about the Christian faith? I think for me, it was probably in high school as I was reading even like passages on the church and roles of women and even dealing with stereotypes in the church were with women. Yeah, I wrestled with that probably in high school, late high school. Wondering if if um, the Christian faith was f- for women or— Yeah, or yeah. like, can God use women? Wow. And to what capacity? Yeah. Like, are we—yeah, can God use us? And yeah. Though yeah. so it wasn't until I was a little bit older. I had graduated college before I started to ask questions about that. And for me, I actually realized that it wasn't just so much about the church. I really trusted my leaders and in, in the decisions that they made theologically, and I still do, and will affirm them because of their biblical conviction that they have. Mm-hmm. I I found my wrestle was actually, it was between me and God. I, it was, are you withholding something from me? Like, is there something that I can't know about you because I'm a woman? Mm-hmm. So it was, there was a whole other layer for it behind me. It was very personal in right. my relationship. Like, am I missing something? Am I missing, am I missing out on God? It yeah. was, you know, and so I, I feel that when I, when I was just in there listening to your messages, the people that feel like, it's not just what you're experiencing here on earth, but does it actually tell us something about what God is saying about us? Mm. You know, so that yeah, right. So someone feels oppressed, they could they could internalize that it's not <clears throat> it's not just a person doing this to me, but does God feel this way about me? Yeah, is it what God wants? Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. So I mean, it was it took it took a long time. I mean, I I dove into scripture over this, sought wise counsel, um, and. Of course, just tons of prayer before I I got clarity on this, and I understood. In fact, he does not oppress us. In no. fact, mm-hmm. he does value me as a woman as much as my brother, and yes. yeah. um, and does not put down my brother either. You know, that's right. So, good. so and and elevates us both and wants us both to enjoy him. That's right. So, so good. yeah. For me, the um, the move to Miami was probably one of the biggest learning seasons that I went through in in my life just because it's such a multicultural city at the we lived there 8 years Kay and I did both of our daughters were born in Miami when we lived there at the time it was the only city in the US where more than half of the residents were born outside the US I don't know if that's mm-hmm. still true but yeah. so understand, like more than half the city had immigrated to the US right so just a melting pot of all cultures and it just put me in an environment where I was constantly 
in a beautiful way, confronted with different viewpoints different people mm-hmm. had on different issues from a different cultural lens, a different cultural upbringing. Yeah. And yet being a part of a church, last time we took count of the number of countries in our church, it was 76 different countries that worshiped alongside one another. So 70, I, I for eight years, got to worship with 76 different wow. countries. Wow, wow. And so that was, I mean, I felt like every week I was getting a, a foretaste of heaven. Yeah. And then when I moved to Tennessee, when I was in the in the you know corporate world, I preached almost every weekend at churches, and a lot of churches I preached at were ninety eight percent Caucasian. Oh my gosh! And the difference between a multicultural environment versus mm-hmm. an, a ninety eight percent Caucasian environment is so stark because you're just missing so much other perspective. Mm-hmm. I remember living in Nashville and feeling a concerned about this for my daughters because they were born in Miami. Mm-hmm. And I took both Eden and Evie, you know, I take them on daddy-daughter trips, and I've taken them both on subways when they were younger and said, hey, I want you to look around. Mm-hmm. What do you see? Listen, listen, listen. You hear it? You hear in different languages? That's cool. This is a closer picture of heaven mm-hmm than sadly what you're seeing at church sometimes. That's so good. So I, I just breathing that in Miami was so good for me. Yeah. So that anyway, you know, I'm, I asked you, that was kind of my first Yeah. Uh, probably like eye-opening experience on the beauty of, of God's global kingdom. It's so you good. Mm-hmm. And we do. This is something that I celebrate so much at Mariners coming out here. Yep. I mean, it's, it is a beautiful expression yeah. of the global church here. Really when is. we... I mean, we have, yes, we do have people week in and week out speaking the different languages yep. around yeah. here. People all look different. And mm-hmm. then when we get to celebrate it, you know, doing during outreach weekends or celebrate what's yes. happening on faith adventures for, with our global family. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It is. It is. You always use that term, the foretaste of heaven. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, there's nothing better. Totally. Yeah. So good. Eric, were yes. there any, um, qua- for preparing for this, sermon, it's evident, obviously, that it is a lot of your experience as well. When you are considering how you are going to be preparing for this sermon, what other resources did you look at? Are there people that you've learned from in this this conversation that you would want to share with our listeners? So I'll give you one book on, on, we talked about minorities and we talked about women. I'll give you just one one resource on either, on, on both of those. So on Different ethnicities. This is a classic book. It really changed mission or outreach conversation years ago. John Piper's book, Let the Nations Be Glad. Mm-hmm. It it really was an eye-opening book for me, and it still is for many people. He takes the word ethne in the scripture. So when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all ethne, nations, it's people groups. Mm-hmm. So it's not borders or boundaries. He's not saying go from the U.S. to Canada. Right. He's, he's, he's talking about pursuing different people groups. Mm. And that's just a whole different shift when you realize that God is pursuing for himself a people from all peoples. And that then you get to the end of the Bible, Revelation 5, you see that heaven is populated with people from every single tribe, tongue, and nation, ethne, ethne. Yeah. And so that from a theological lens, the full intent of the gospel is that people from every single tribe, tongue, and nation will be gathered with Jesus. Yeah. So when you really believe that theologically, you long for the nations and you you care about every single people group. And so you don't want you would you hate that a people group is oppressed. Yeah. 
yeah. because they're 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 creating the image of God. That that person's creating the image of God, and and God's pursuing. And you're going to spend heaven. You're going to spend eternity with people from every single mm-hmm. people group, every single ethnicity. So that's that that's the book that is probably most foundational for me on understanding the nations or the different ethnicities. John Piper, let the nations be glad. And then a recent book on 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 women that is helpful is Wendy Alsop wrote, Is the Bible Good for Women? And there's lots of scholars. Rodney Stark, I, I quoted from him in the sermon, shows how the early church elevated women. Larry Harato talked about why uh, in his book, Why Did Anybody Become a Christian in the Early Church? He also talks about how Women had been viewed as property and discarded, but the early church elevated women, and that that really caused women to flock to the church because yeah. it was the place for status. And yeah. and but the theology behind it was I'm creating the image of God. Mm. You know, the questions you had that both of you had, the early church was providing answers in a real tangible way yeah. for that. So those are those are some resources. That's so great. Oh my gosh, I. I love how you brought up the let the nations be glad. I mean, this conversation, whenever we think about evangelism and unreached people groups, yeah. is even so Did you read that book? Uh, I've read part of it. I've, I've read I mean, you, you did grow up in Georgia. I did. In the passion movement, Louis Giglio, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah. So John Piper books were plentiful where I was from. Yeah, I mean, John Piper preached a sermon at a either a passion conference or a one-day conference in like 1995 or— 96. 96. Mm-hmm. That that really impacted a whole generation, and generation. and a lot of it is based on the theology of, hey, let's not exist for ourselves, but let's exi- exist for the glory of God, and taking the God's glory to people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Absolutely, yep. there's a people don't realize there's a um, a deep theology beneath what God did in that in those co- those college movements, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm really thankful for it. Yeah, yeah me too. I'm actually thinking about. Um, I mean, I'm from South Korea, and so I've been thinking about born where, in South Korea. I was born here, okay. so but then raised there, and I thought about how Christianity was introduced to the people in South Korea because it was heavily a Buddhist, Confucius country, mm-hmm. and I'm just so thankful that there were people who were ignited by the gospel here, and American missionaries felt called. There's a um, missionary named. Ruby Kendrick in like 1907. She was a young missionary from America, went to Korea and um, was a Sunday school teacher there, just felt so called and Mm -hmm. just grateful for missionaries who were ignited. And what's crazy is I found out she died a year into being there. She was really young. And on her tombstone, she asked that it, it said, it say like if I had a thousand years, I'd give every year to Korea. Oh, that's beautiful! Isn't that oh, wild? That's so beautiful. And that's so, so beautiful. I'm so grateful for yeah. the mission movement that came out of America because, yeah. yeah, I mean my my grandparents or my parents wouldn't have known Jesus. Yeah, you know. And behind that has to be the deep conviction that God is desiring for Himself people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, on, and yeah. that it is in fact not oppressive. Yeah, you know. So yes. that's right. beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious from both of you what what out of this message do you think people are going to wrestle with? You cover some amazing topics mm. in it. What where might someone still say, ah? Oh, yeah. But but what about this? You yeah. know, somebody who's feeling oppressed right now. Yeah. So someone who uh, is suffering under pain of racism. Yeah. You know, we're gonna yeah. is is gonna intellectually. I'm, I'm trying. I have not been in that situation, so I'm trying to 
I can sympathize but not empathize because I haven't suffered that pain. But if I would suffer that pain, I'm, I mean, I'm reading Frederick Douglass, right? And the faith it would take for him to separate the abuse of Christianity from actual Christianity. I don't, I would hope that I would have the grace to do that. I hope that I would have the grace to, to be able to distinguish Jesus and what Jesus really meant and wants from the painful examples I've seen of people who've misused the Christian faith, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, Frederick Douglass was able to. That's I, I would hope I would be able to, but I would think if someone, if someone currently is feeling the pain of oppression, whether via racism or a woman who's been abused or yeah. even worse, and I, when I say even worse, I mean if it's done in the name of God, yeah. it's always – I don't know if it's worse, but you, you know what I'm saying. If, yeah. if Christianity is, it feels like it's wrapped up in it. Yeah. Um, it's spiritual trauma. It's, it's spiritual, spiritual trauma abuse. as well, yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm hearing you say, Eric, that Christianity is not oppressive, but I have been oppressed – in the name of Christianity, mm. you know, I just hope that they would, that God would be gracious and that they would see that Jesus is not yeah. what they've experienced. Yeah. yeah. You know? Oh, that's good. Esther, anything for you that you think would be particularly challenging on this or what a person might still be wrestling yeah, with? Yeah, I mean, I'm a minority, but I'm also a woman and have kiddos, a mm-hmm. kid, and another kiddo who, you know, I I had him full term, but he didn't make it. And, you know, Eric, in your message, you bring up the unborn. And I kind of was like surprised you went there. Yeah. And even like as a woman, you know. Did it feel like a like a sharp turn? Like, well, that's coming out of nowhere. No, I'm like, I've been surprised even. (laughs) Offer him some feedback. Yeah, yeah. In front of everybody. Give me feedback. I've I've just been really appreciative of like, even in the beginning, you you brought up like the Ku Klux Klan. And you were, I kind of love that you kind of took accountability, not that you were the one who did that, but like as God's people, as his children, we haven't done the best job representing him. And um, just to kind of even apologize on behalf of our siblings in Christ. Um, And then then you went there with the unborn and women and just kind of clarifying that we don't have to choose one or the other as more important. Like, and that both are important and dignified in the eyes of God. And- I just love that because I think uh, the cultural movement right now is like you have to pick one or the other. Right. It's one's right over the other. Right. And from an Eastern context, I think that sometimes like Westerners, like we and myself, Westerner, um, we use the, like rights a lot. I have the right. Mm-hmm. But I think as be- a believer, not an Easterner, not a Westerner, but a believer, in a way we have no rights yeah. when we come to God and then – when we come into the kingdom, he gives us the right to be his children. Right. And so I think that for us who are like, I'm a woman, you know, um, it removes like, I'm going to hold on to my rights. Yeah. And then even the ability to extend that to someone that can't speak for themselves, which is the unborn. Right. And so surprised you went there. Yeah. Thankful that you went there. I'm sure there might be more questions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt like I needed to go there because, because of what you're saying. Wow, Eric's saying Jesus values women. Women are so... But I've also heard Eric speak for the unborn. How does those two match? Mm-hmm. You know, so I felt I needed to to articulate that the same ethic that gets us to care for women mm-hmm. and minorities is also the same ethic that gets us to care for for the unborn. Yeah. You know, essentially, it's like you don't acquire your worth; it's given, uh, it's re- uh, yes. and then it's received. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and be- because of, 
creating the image of God. I mean, yeah. what a horrible ethic if you have to acquire your worth or or if worth is based on intelligence or autonomy or yeah. contribution as opposed to you have worth because God made you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You, um, during your difficult and, I mean, you were ama- our, our staff was so inspired by you. Um, so you carried Jacob yeah. full term. Yeah. And then he lived... Ten hours. Ten hours. Yeah. Did people during that time think you were crazy? You know, honestly, I thought I was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Because even, you know, our OB initially, the one before, the one that delivered Jacob, uh, they had kind of, it was a part of the procedure to ask once a genetic disorder diagnosis is given and confirmed, um, would you like to terminate the pregnancy? And... And then I brought it to my family, um, and uh, my fam, even my mom. You know, she was like, "Are you crazy?" Wow. Like even in Korean, like in front of like she sat me and David in front, like "Don't be chosso," which is like, "Are you crazy?" And we kind of stayed grounded in what uh, the Lord had told us, and and it's not like He had to tell us anything. We just knew from God's word, right. the image of God, and and so. Yeah, and sometimes David and I, we, like, looked at each other and, like, people probably think we're crazy. Yeah. And sometimes I th- I thought, like, am I crazy to make my body go through this, yeah. carry him, and then – but obedience is crazy. That's right. You know, and it looks crazy to the world, but I don't think we would have – we would have changed anything from it because – and it wasn't necessarily, like, because we value a child's life so much, although that's obviously – that's God's view, but we value God. Mm, and good. we value and I love that even the series we started with the word of God. And we we want to honor God and we honor his perspective and therefore that's the outcome. Yeah. So yeah. It's kind of it was a such a beautiful testimony watching mm-hmm. you and David go through that together mm-hmm. as a couple and and then I know who your OB yeah, is. he's part our of our. Ch- he's part of our church. Yeah, love him. He's so yeah. amazing, and you know, he being that he works so closely with the birth of children, mm-hmm. has such a high view of the image of God. Yeah, you know, uh, placed on the unborn. Yeah, and he's so pastoral and loving. Yeah, you know, he's amazing. Every every um, visit, laid hands on us and just prayed nice. over us and. He was, yeah, he's incredible. We saw him yesterday too. Like we like spend time with his family. And, That's beautiful. Yeah. So I know it was so painful. And you, you know, you shared a devotion with our staff. On the other side of it, mm. have you seen yet signs of his faithfulness and tenderness to, to you? Or are you still lear- yeah. learning what those are? Yeah. I mean, my life will never be the same, yeah. you know? And I think. One thing that Jacob has gifted me is, like, I don't fear death anymore. Mm. Like, I wish I could have said, like, if I, I look forward to seeing Jesus, you know? Yeah. But I don't think it was as, you know? Um, but I'm like, wow, if I anything were to happen to me and I were to die, I'm reunited with the an actual face and, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, no uh, no fear of death, but also a greater understanding of, of worship because— like Jacob is fulfilling his purpose by like whether a baby is two months in the womb, out the womb, what by us breathing and existing on this side of eternity, on the other, like 
um, like G- Jacob is still fulfilling his purpose. Yes, he's he worshiping. is. He's worshiping totally. Yeah, and so the ultimate purpose we were created for. Yeah, no, exactly. You know? That's so true. And so, regardless of our skin color, regardless of our age, regardless right. of any of those things, our value is given and our purpose is given That's the moment beautiful. that we were we were made. And we were even like yeah. ideated. I love that you said that, God. and that totally connects to the to what we talked about in this message, right? So the the uh, the purpose is given, life is given. Yes. And then the purpose to be a worshiper, and then God's pursuing for Himself worshipers, really, yeah. from every tribe, tongue, and nation, yes. from both from both genders, yeah. from rich and poor. That's right. Yeah. And then you're like, wow, He's pursuing worship. Isn't that all about Him? It is all about His glory. But at the same time, we are most satisfied when we when we worship Him. Yeah, yeah. and it's cool because each ethnicity actually reveals a glory of God in a particular way. And I would almost say, I know like Eric, you were kind of like, I'm going to be careful because I don't understand maybe even like the racial tension. And I would almost say even for you as a minority in America, I think that because there is a history of uh, particular, you know, Americans or Caucasians uh, oppressing minorities, I don't think that strips away the call of God on your life to display God's glory through your ethnic background, totally. you know? I'm, I, I, uh, I'm glad you said that. I, I mentioned in the sermon, hey, you should not feel guilty for whatever ethnicity you are. Mm-hmm. I do think that sometimes in recent years, because there it has been a really, there has been a dark past where white people have oppressed others, that there can be times where folks have talked about white guilt or, mm-hmm. you know, white shame. And but that's a dangerous term because God gave each person his or her ethnicity. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't be ashamed of your ethnicity, but you shouldn't find your ultimate identity in your for ethnicity. For sure, you know, for sure, you sh- your ethnicity is given to you by God, by a creative God, and you should celebrate and be so excited that you get to not be the only ethnicity mm-hmm. in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. That he's 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 pulling together people from every ethnicity. So good, you know. Yeah, so good. Thanks for joining us today on the If I Had More Time podcast hosted by Mariners Church. We hope to see you next weekend at any of our congregations across Southern California or online. To view our service times at each congregation, be sure to check out our website at marinerschurch.org.